In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 41 to 51. Again, that is the book of John, chapter 6, verses 41 to 51. Please open your Bibles to that portion of the scripture and join me in reading God's word. Let us all rise in reverence to the word of God. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is, it is written in the prophets and that they will be taught and that they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. The title of today's sermon is The Father's Role, based on John chapter 6, verses 41 to 51. If you have not been following our series, we suggest that you start from the beginning of John chapter 1, verse 1, our sermon, which you can find online, to have a more clear picture of what the author, John, is trying to convey to us. The crowd looked for a sign, even though there were signs. They experienced the multiplication of the food and previously the healing, healing of two people and, of course, the private miracle of turning water to wine, which a few have witnessed. Now, the crowd referred to the manna in the wilderness, which the Israelites ate for 40 years. All they had to do was collect the free meal every morning. If you read the Old Testament, before they entered the Promised Land, they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and God fed them. Every morning, they collect this honey tasting like bread, and that would satisfy him for that day. Now, the crowd was referring to that because he multiplied the bread and the fish. Maybe he, this is not in scripture, but we would say that probably they wanted him to be king because they wanted bread. They wanted sustenance. Now, however, 
Jesus claimed that he is a true bread from heaven. Why did he have to claim that? Because the Jews during that time kept saying, Moses gave us the manna. In fact, if you read the, before this text, the previous verses, Jesus said, It was not Moses, but my father who gave you the manna. Jesus claimed that he is a true bread from heaven, and those who partake in it will never be hungry again. The people ask for this bread that will never make them hungry again. We know that the people wanted to satisfy their physical needs. But Jesus was speaking about eternal life, which is not physical. It is in the realm of the spiritual and, of course, the physical as, as well, but in the future. So the people ask for this bread that they will never, never hunger again. But they would not believe when he explained that he was the true bread from heaven. Then Jesus explained, those who believe in him believe because of the Father. And you will find that in John chapter 6, verses 36 to 37. He was explaining to them why they don't believe. You imagine this conversation. There was a crowd and there was Christ. And Christ knew they're not believing. And he was explaining, well, you, the, those who believe are the Father's gift to me. You try to dissect that. It's like saying, well, let me explain to you why you do not believe. You are not the Father's gift to me. Wow. He would repeat this, and John has a purpose when he repeats something. He kept repeating, ego eimi, or I am, I am, I am, because John's purpose as well was to show that Jesus is God. And he took the form of man, yet this God was on earth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And another thing that John would repeat was the Father's role. What is the Father's role of those who believe in Jesus Christ? There is a role of the Father, and true believers respect that role. We respect that role. We respect what He did. His participation in all this, of course, His role was to give His Son. But more than that, is to give to His Son those who would believe. That is plain in the Scripture. Now, let's go to our point number one. The Jews grumbled. Now, the Jews grumbled because they could not believe that Jesus came down from heaven. Some of them know him and his earthly father. They could not make the connection of someone coming from heaven to be birthed on earth. It might be easier for them to believe because of their sacred writings of angels coming down from heaven or suddenly appearing without history. But they know Jesus had a history. He was birthed on earth. And of course, we understand because today we can study Scripture and the apostles explained it to us in the New Testament 
why he had to be birthed. In Old Testament law, well, a perfect human, a perfect, somebody perfect can be sacrificed for the sins of others, but not someone with blemish. A lamb must be perfect. No problem with the animal. Not lame. It should be perfect. Even the collar, for some would say, it's perfect, although some debate that. Jesus had to be birthed on earth for that. But there's another reason to fulfill prophecy. That he would be a descendant of David, the king of Israel. Thus, God himself becoming man. And David saying in the prophecies, in the Psalms, he called his descendant Lord, my Lord. Because that descendant will rule forever and ever. And John the writer has also revealed to us that he is son of man. That doesn't mean son of a human. It means referring to Daniel. The one who will have the everlasting kingdom. That is him. The one who will have authority over all the earth forever and ever. That is him. Now the Jews grumbled. They could not understand. Let's read that. Verses 41 and 42. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? I don't know. Maybe some of them hired Joseph, the carpenter, to make their house or to repair it. Don't we know them? How can he now say that he came down from heaven? The Jews could not understand the incarnation. What's the incarnation? It is God. The Word became flesh. John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh. It's called incarnation, not reincarnation. Now, maybe some of you believe that. It just doesn't make sense. Why? Just by the number of those alive. Just think. It should be one is to one always, okay? If there were a million people being reincarnated, there'd be one million beings on earth. If there are 10 billion insects, there should be 10 billion only. But it keeps growing or it lessens. It doesn't make sense mathematically. That's not what we're talking about. I just did a side note for some of you foolish enough. It was the divine word. The incarnation is the divine word who took the form of man, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, is fully God. And was he fully man? Yes, fully man. It wasn't 50-50, no. It was God 100% and man a hundred percent. Why is this important? Because John would say, well, I wrote that you may have eternal life, that you may believe in what? In the Son. When he says believe in the Son, it includes all of these he has written. That Jesus Christ is God. Now comes more difficult sayings. You imagine the crowd the Jews and Jesus Christ having this conversation. And Jesus would give them very difficult teachings. And later on, 
many of them will walk away. They were not true followers. They were following because of the bread. They're looking for the benefit, and some follow Christ, follow because they see benefit. They follow because their answers are prayer. They follow because the, uh, he can heal our family. He, they, follow, they follow because of the earthly benefits, not, as Christ said, do not work for the bread. It doesn't literally mean don't get a job. The context is they were looking for Christ to, find the, to make him king because they're looking for the bread. Don't work. You're, they were looking for him. Don't work for that. You work at what? That you may have eternal life. What should we pursue? There's that conversation. Now, when they said they grumbled, Christ responded, unless the Father. That's the next point. Jesus responded to the crowd by instructing them not to grumble among themselves because they would not understand unless the Father drew them. It is the Father who brings people to Christ, and it is the Father who teaches them. Let's read verse, verses 43 to 46. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. Can you imagine the crowd talking to one another? Whispering. Were saying, isn't this Jesus? And he could all hear the mumbling and grumbling. Then he says, don't grumble. Let me explain to you why you grumble. Let me explain to you why you do not believe. Verse 44, please mark these verse, this verse in your Bible. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And we discussed this Part, I will raise him up on the last day, meaning judgment will not fall on him. Even though he is guilty, he will be proclaimed innocent because of me. I will raise him up on the last day. We are all guilty, but through Christ, we will be deemed not guilty. I will raise him up on, on the last day. If you look at the earlier context of this, the discussion of judgment was very present. I will raise him up now. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now, we see here the role of the Father, which is consistent with John chapter 6, verse 36 and 37, that those who believe are the Father's gift to Christ. So here, no one can come to him unless the Father who sent me draws him. What is the verse saying? What is Christ saying? That it was the Father's initiative. If you remember the covenants, the easiest way to understand is, are the covenants from the old to the new? It was always God initiating the covenant, not man. Not man saying, God, come here, I have a covenant with you. I want to make an agreement with you. It's been God all along. The covenant with Abraham. Abraham was nobody. They were not equals. He was nobody. But God initiated that covenant. He made a promise to the imperfect Abraham. He called on Moses and said, bring them to Sinai. The imperfect Moses and the imperfect Israelites. 
were given a covenant for the purpose of what? To foreshadow the coming of the Messiah. And then the coming of Christ was not initiated by us. Therefore, it is not by our own works, our own goodness, our own track record of helping so many people. It's not about that because if you add all that up, we are still guilty. It doesn't match up. So it was the initiative of the Father to send Jesus. If ever you felt like you are drawn to God's word when you hear it, you feel like you are attracted, convicted, and you want to know more, I'd like to say today that is not your work. It is the work of God. But the opposite is also true. Why you do not believe? Because unless the Father makes you understand, you will not understand. There was this story of a rebel against Christ. He heard the gospel when he was young, but he became an outspoken homosexual attacking the gospel. And all his life he did that, mocked Christ and the word. When he was about to die, he was looking for a preacher. And one of the preachers was well-known, respected, teacher of God's word. And he said, well, having heard what you've done, you have to repent. But then he said, what can I do? I've done all these things. Preacher said, you have to beg for his mercy. That the Father draws you to him again. That the Father makes that way for you. Some of you saying, what if God did not open my eyes? Well, all I can say is you beg. You beseech Him like the Old Testament people. They knelt down and humbled themselves. Have mercy. Have mercy on me. That's all we can do. But some would be arrogant. And even falsified logic. <laughs> they stand on falsified logic. Fallacies. If God were true or alive, why did he allow this? So let me break that down logically. You think somebody doesn't exist because of your personal experience? I mean, okay, wait, wait. It's like somebody saying there are a lot of bad hair in the world, therefore I don't believe in barbers. I do believe I got a haircut. So. Barbers are good for nothing. They don't exist because of the bad hair all around. Thank goodness you have good hair. Me, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> You're using personal experience to create a, a, a conclusion about life and death and eternity. They're about, I can go on and on and, and address fallacies of logic. That's why there's still a good number of scientists who truly believe in God. Why the arguments 
do not make sense, and still, this makes the most sense. I was speaking to an atheist. Of course, I could have said, well, you can't see because unless the Father shows it to you, you can't understand. But then I was speaking with him, and I said, why? Because I believe in science, and I believe in science. Would you like me to listen now on the scientists in history who were genuine believers? I can tell you that. I can show you that. You, you think you're better than these? Then I said, let's use science. What do you believe in? Of course, he went to evolution. So I just asked him a simple question. A logical question. Can something come out of nothing? Can this thing happen and just appear? Can the colors of the earth just happen without an architect, without an artist? Can the basic structure of physics exist? It's so precise that we can live and breathe. The elements are so precise. So what happened before? What? I know the story. I studied as well. I have a doctoral as well. I know how to read. I know how to do research. And what are they saying? Perhaps, 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 perhaps long ago, there was just a living cell. Now, there's already an argument. Do you know that just to have a living cell to be alive, it needs the perfect environment? And that living cell probably become a sea creature. And after millions and millions of years, probably grew legs and started crawling out on land. And probably millions and millions of years. We're still addressing what happened to the beginning, before the cell. Can something come out of nothing? The best explanation is eternity. But that is not my message today. I'm just saying, we can explain why people don't believe, but the simplest explanation of Jesus Christ, unless the Father opens their eyes, they cannot see. It is the Father who brings people to Christ, and it is the Father who teaches them. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has, has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So the Father brings people to Christ, but not only that, the Father teaches them. No, not face to face. It is divine work happening in our minds and hearts. Not face to face. That's why Jesus had to say that, well, uh, well, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. He said, I have seen the Father, but they are taught by the Father. Not the way you know, but the Father works in their minds and hearts. And we know that that is the work of the Spirit as well. It's a Father, Son, and Spirit involved in the salvation of people. Now, brothers and sisters, some of you might think, using our limited minds, 
Am I, isn't, am I a believer because of the Father or because of me? What do you think? No, based on the text, not based on your logic here. Based on what the writer is saying. Is it because of you or because of him? Or is it both? Is it percentage human and percentage God? Well, I'd like to make an analogy compared to God. Who are you? Let's just think in terms of size. Okay, in terms of size. I can believe that God fills the whole heavens and the whole earth. As big as the universe. And you, how big are you? The strength of your will versus the will of God. Um, can you make a comparison? That's why everyone who comes to Christ, they were moved to repent and believe. But how do they thank God? Thank you, Lord, because of you and me, I am a Christian. No, no, we just say, thank you, Lord. It's because of you. It's just because of you. Should we repent and believe? Of course, of course, of course. But the belief is, unless the Father opened your eyes, you wouldn't even do that. It is the Father who initiated, not us. All glory belongs to Him. It is essential to note the explanation of Christ about those who grumble and reject His message. The explanation was that no one can come to Christ unless the Father draws them to Christ. Now, some might say, well, 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 if that's the case, why do we need to proclaim the gospel? Why do I need to reach out to my friends and neighbors? If it is the Father's work, uh, context. What's the context? Jesus was actively explaining who he is and who the Father is. Actively explaining. Then he says, unless the Father draws you. So what should we do based on the context? It's not just shut up. And mind my own business. If he wants to save the world, he will. Jesus was proactively explaining who he is. As we were commanded to proclaim the gospel, we are proactively because, doing it because that is written. But if people do not believe, that is one explanation why you don't believe, why you grumble. Your eyes have not been opened. That's why this song written by named John as well I think was he John Newton no history amazing grace the slaver the slaver okay I don't know memory but he was a slaver he was making money out of slavery then he became a believer and then he penned those words amazing grace how sweet the sound it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And that's what we say. I was blind. I couldn't see it. I was so engrossed on self, myself, my business, my livelihood, my survival, me. Unless the open, the eyes are opened by the Father, 
then we can say, now, now I see. Now I see I'm a wretched sinner. Anyone saying, I'm not too bad, I do good works, then you are a wretched sinner blinded by your own good works, blinded by your own self. Because during that time, slavery was an accepted trade. What's wrong? Oh yeah, it was accepted. Now, let's go to living forever. Those who believe in Jesus, meaning to believe in who he is, who sent him. And he keeps saying that, the one who sent me and the one he sent. And of course, I added his death and resurrection. I'm moving forward to the end of John. His death and resurrection have eternal life. Uh, Jesus contrasted himself to the man in the wilderness. The people in the wilderness still died. They got that free bread manna from heaven. But those who eat those still died. But Jesus saying those who eat this bread. Now, it's not literally eating the bread. It's believing. You know the context, right? It's not literally eating his flesh. He will sacrifice his flesh. On the cross, on the cross, he will sacrifice his flesh. That's why he's saying that he would give his life. He would give up his flesh. But eating it is actually believing. It is not the communion service. Although the communion service is to remember his death and resurrection. It's not the eating that saves you. Verse 47 to 51, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Verse 50, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. And it's not the literal physical death during this time, although it is part of the promise, the salvation of our human body, but that happens way, way forward in the future. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Sorry. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And what do you mean by eating? The key is in verse 47. It is about believing. And the bread that I will give for, that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Again, eating his bread is a metaphor. It is a figure of speech, which simply means believing in him. Please note that there is no clue in the text that Jesus was referring to the ordinance of communion. The ordinance cannot save. It is by truly, truly believing in him. The Lord mentioned it in the Last Supper. And we also mention it, but he never said it is not believing. It is not the act of eating. It is believing with our hearts and minds. Again, the foundation is believing. Now, how do we apply this text in our lives? Number one, understand why people reject him. People have different reasons why they reject the gospel. It is good to understand them in order so we may dispel their unbelief in intelligently, at least explain to them, address it, 
but sometimes it's about emotions and not intelligence, why they don't believe. However, the more straightforward explanation of Christ is that the Father has not drawn them to Christ. So what do we do? We pray. Amen? Is, there, is prayer related in the salvation of people? Yes. Definitely. We pray, oh Lord, open his eyes. Open her eyes to the gospel. We beg for his mercy, for his grace. We also proclaim the gospel. Remember, the Father's role is significant in salvation. So we beseech the Father to know the Father's role. The author mentioned that those who believe are the Father's gift to the Son. In a similar light, it is also true that the one who initiates coming to Christ is the Father. Let us not put this truth aside, but acknowledge the Father's work in eternal life. For some who are, can't accept this, won't quote even quote this verse. No, we quote it, we speak it, because it is in Scripture, and we must proclaim it. Unless the Father draws you to Him. And some will say, I don't believe that. Well, you know why you don't believe it? Because unless the Father brings you to Christ, you cannot believe it. You hear me? Unless the Father opens your eyes and see the beauty of it, you cannot believe it. And proclaim the difference. What's the difference? When the people mentioned the manna in the wilderness, Jesus made a clear contrast. Manna in the Old Testament cannot give eternal life, but Christ can. In the same way, there are many religions in the world, and which one? can say, I'm the Son of God, and many eyewitness accounts, eyewitness accounts. An atheist actually did a research and became a believer, Lee Strobel, about doing academic approach to research, to disprove the resurrection. He ended up believing by talking to one expert after another, saying, what if it's a group delusion that they actually saw somebody resurrect? What if it was a manipulated story it was a lie that they, the apostles propagated so people would believe in them. He tried everything that he could. When he did his study, he says, You win, Lord. I give up. We show the difference, and what's the difference? Eternal life. Now, here's the problem sometimes with us we are so full of earthly concerns that for we forget the main purpose that Christ came and the main purpose he called us to him. It is a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It is about his truth. It is about his instructions in the word. But you don't see it. Why? Because you heard the gospel of prosperity that says it's about your needs. He loves you no matter who you are. That's the false gospel they're saying. And everything you need, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. All your problems will go away. 
Just name it and claim it and you'll have it. A lot of them are actually rubbish. It is about saying, oh, Father, work in me. Work in this poor soul, this wretched soul. Work on this mind and heart and life that I may glorify you in Christ. It is about, Lord, your message is true. It is real. Work in this life. Work in this family of ours. Work in this community of ours that we may show people Christ that we may fulfill that part. It's about that. It's about, Lord, me, allowing me, Lord, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Teach me to love, to have joy, to have peace, to have patience, to have self-control. It's about me, Lord, work in me that I may seek the kingdom first and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to us. It's not primarily human-centric. The gospel is not human-centric. It is Christ-centric. It's about him, not about me. The false gospel being preached makes us the center of the world. And Christ and God is there to fulfill our needs. Rubbish. Except if you make a qualification. He gave his life and the Father's love was expressed. How? By the sacrifice of his son. To meet our greatest need that we don't see, which is eternal damnation is our future. Our greatest need is to have eternal life. That's it. It's not our career. It's not the target of being a millionaire. It's not the reputation we'll have on the earth. No, that's not the main thing. I'm not saying don't pray for those things. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we should pray, we should work hard. No, but that's not the main thing. Only those who truly believe in him and his work. I give you now a piece of poetry entitled, Unless the Father. The people grumbled and complained, even though Christ Jesus explained. Well, it was the explanation that so triggered the rejection. How can Jesus come from heaven? It was complex to process then. Even today, it still remains. Using human limited brains... People can raise complex reasons to reject him in all seasons, but Jesus explains it clearly. It's the Father's activity. Unless the good Father draws us, we cannot believe in Jesus. If we believe and understand what the Father truly planned. Let's believe it was the Father. It's the Father who gathers it is the Father who initiates our hearts. The Father recreates. Therefore, let us believe today. Live as believers every day. The good Father drew us to Him. Thus, we should sing that in our hymns. Let us all rise and let us pray. Oh, Father, Heavenly Father. Oh, 
Give us that hunger and thirst for you. Open our eyes, our spiritual eyes that we may see. For no one can transform a life except you three, Father, Son, and Spirit. A human cannot transform another human. A human cannot give eternal life to another human except Christ who was fully God and fully man. No sin sacrificed for us. Worthy, a worthy sacrifice. And thank you for allowing us to believe, for opening our eyes and minds. Allow us to always beseech you and thank you for your mercy imperfect as we are yet we thank you that you are changing our hearts giving us a desire to obey although you made it clear it is believing that saves us and obeying is a fruit of believing it is the result because we believe show us Lord that we may believe and we may also obey we want this eternal life, this bread, this bread that comes from heaven. And when we partake, we will never die again. We will never experience eternal damnation, but life in Christ, life forever. Thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning, and God bless you.